Our scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, 23rd chapter, verses 39 through 43, found on page 1050 in your pew Bible. Again, that's 1050 in your pew Bible, Luke 23, beginning in verse 39. I want to say thank you to uh, John and Stephanie and Larry. Uh, uh, That song was sung at my wedding almost 11 years ago. And so Ashley and I got to have a little moment in worship, um, not only our love for each other, but our love for the Lord. And so thank you for that. That was special for us. I'm actually going to begin reading a little bit earlier. Our text for the sermon is the, will be in 39. I just want to give a bit of context as we go into this. So in verse 32 is where we'll pick up. Luke writes, Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Here ends the reading of the Holy Word. Let us go to God in prayer. O holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. It's fitting, isn't it, on a day that we come to celebrate a harvest of those who have come to faith in Christ over the last year, that we would be in this scripture on this day with Jesus up there on the cross, being mocked by the rulers, mocked by the soldiers, and even mocked by a thief. That this would be the day we encounter him up there. And Jesus once again shows us that the gospel was never about him saving himself. See, he had been asked three times, or demanded three times, cried against three times by the rulers, by the soldiers, and then by the thief, save yourself. Only the thief added, and us. But Jesus was never around to play their games. Jesus came to begin his reign, to show a new way. 
and to not save himself, but rather to give of himself so that others may have new life. See, Mark and Matthew both tell us that Jesus was hung between two thieves and that they both rail, rallied, railed against Jesus. Only Luke gives us the account of the conversation between the two thieves that occurs, showing us that throughout the day, throughout their crucifixion, as they hung there, it wore down on one of the thieves and Jesus came into his heart and he rebuked the other thief when he began mocking Jesus himself. As it says, the first thief said, if you were the Christ, save yourself and us. Simply put, he was just looking for Jesus to be his getaway car out of a tough situation. That he had no intentions of having a changed heart or a changed life, but that Jesus was merely a vehicle or a vessel to get out of the suffering, something that he definitely deserved. See, in first century Rome, only those who were the most despicable and and worst of the criminals were hung on Roman crosses as a public spectacle for all to see. And here Jesus was put in the middle to show a statement that he was worse than the other thieves around him. But here are these thieves, these wicked men, and based on their conversation, they must have known each other, even gone around thieving together. Because when the other one rebukes him, he says, do you not fear God? We are all under this condemnation. We deserve this, he says. We are wicked men. We are reaping the rewards due of the deeds we have done. And it comes from this thief on the cross, hanging there next to Jesus, That in these five short verses, we get a clear picture of the gospel of both our situation, our need for a savior, and who Jesus is. See, Jesus wasn't here to be about himself, but he was here to be about his father's business. To complete his father's will. And here, the, the second thief, it's, he gets it. He gets it, and as he talks to the other thief, he tells him of their condition and our condition. That what we deserve is condemnation for the deeds we have done. Paul The Apostle Paul would write in his letter to the Romans in chapter 3, he would say, We all fall short. No one does good. And so there are not enough good deeds that we can or do do apart from Christ to earn salvation. That we are sinful. And God is both loving and merciful, but holy and just. And for God as holy and just, he demands justice for our sins. 
And the thief understood that. This is what we deserve. He says, but Jesus, Jesus doesn't deserve any of this. In fact, he says, but this man has done nothing wrong. Jesus had done nothing wrong, and yet he hangs there on the cross with the power and the ability to save himself. Yes, but he still refuses to do so. Why? Because he is submitting to his Father's will that he is hanging on the cross, not for himself, but for you. That he hangs there doing nothing wrong, living the perfect life we could not live and dying the death that we all deserve as sinners so that we may not die, but that we may live with him forever. First thief doesn't get it. The rulers and the soldiers, they don't get it as they stand there mocking him, watching Jesus die on a cross. Save yourself. Not what he was there for. He wasn't there to save himself. He was there to save people like you and me. He was there to save people like the other thief on the cross who though he had lived a wicked and terrible life and was receiving the punishment due for all of his deeds, was not beyond the grace of God. And he understood that. And as he, as this thief on his deathbed, on the death cross, reminds us it's never too late to repent and turn towards God. And that nobody is too far for Jesus to reach on the cross. But he also shows us something else. He shows us that when we do get the gospel, when we have received Jesus, when we do understand our situation and who Jesus is and what he is about, that the rest of our lives and all of our breath is to be spent telling others about it. This thief on the cross did not have to rebuke the other thief. He merely needed to turn to Jesus, but he chose instead to spend his time evangelizing for Jesus. He reminds me of someone I've never met, but have heard many great things about. Many of you here know of him. He was an elder in this church. His name was George Mills. The stories I have heard is that he was a great evangelist, one to never 
waste time in meeting and talking with someone to either tell of this great congregation gathered here on the beach or of his great Savior that has changed his life. In fact, his wife, Betty, has told me several times that even on his deathbed in the hospital, he's been asking everyone he encountered from doctors and nurses to text to even the food service people that would come in if they knew Jesus because he wasn't going to take it for granted. And he, like the thief, wasn't just turning to Jesus in his final moments, but still working and telling people of the love and the mercy that is available to them, that death does not have the final say, but that in joy we receive Christ. What a testament his life was all the way to the end. And what Jesus says, in, and then he turns to Jesus after explaining the gospel, and he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. It's here that we hear his confession of understanding Jesus is Lord and Savior of his life. But he says, when you come into your kingdom, he doesn't know when it's going to happen, but he trusts that Jesus is going to reign supreme. And when he does, if he would remember him in the book of life. And Jesus gives these great words of comfort. Today, Truly I say to you, you will be with me in paradise. The thief on the cross who deserves death was never beyond the reach of the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And he doesn't say someday in the future, but today in a matter of hours you will be with me in paradise. John Piper, in his book, uh, The Gospel is God, he says this, the critical question for our generation and for any generation is this. If you could have heaven with no sickness and with all the friends you ever had on earth and all the food you ever liked, and all the leisure activities you ever enjoyed, and all the natural beauties you ever saw, and all the physical pleasures you ever tasted, and no human conflict or any natural disasters, could you be satisfied with heaven if Christ were not there? When Jesus says, today you will be with me, in paradise, it is less about paradise and more about being with Jesus. The gospel is not about a destination. The gospel is about we get God. All barriers that we have built up through our own sin are broken and torn down and removed through the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross so that we have direct, full, unfettered access to God forevermore. Paradise does not exist if God is not there. It is merely just another place. And so Jesus says, you will be with me in paradise. And anywhere Jesus is, is paradise. 
because he hung on that cross, not saving himself from the injustices that he was wronged of, but he hangs there in full submission to the Father by his stripes. We are healed, the prophet Isaiah says. It's through Jesus' suffering and the shedding of his blood on that cross that the thief next to him is not out of reach. It's because Jesus hung there and satisfied God's justice that you and I can gather on this day and celebrate with joy and peace and thanksgiving and have full assurance of our salvation because Jesus Christ did the work. It did not rely on us on doing anything other than saying yes to Jesus. He accomplished it for us. And, on our, and when our time comes that we are no longer here in our earthly vessels, Jesus will come to us and say, come into my kingdom. I remember you because you remembered me. So we gather at this table every Sunday. We gather at this table and we partake of this bread and this cup. And we do this in remembrance of Jesus, of what he accomplished there on the cross, that he did not save himself, but he saved us. And that when we remember him and we cry out, Jesus, remember me when I come into your kingdom. On that day, we will hear, you will be with me in paradise. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we give you praise and thanks this morning for the salvation we have in Jesus. We ask that you bless this bread and this cup, that as we partake in it, that we will receive nourishment, that we can hold on to your hope, and that we know with full assurance what you accomplished on the cross was exactly what we needed so that we could be with you in paradise. For it's in Jesus' great name that we pray. Amen.